Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Modern Cavemen podcast brought to you by Primal Goods Company. Our guest today down in Los Angeles, California, Ra. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Ra underscore of underscore earth. He's always putting up incredible content. His stories are wild. Uh, he's the founder of Practice of the Day on Instagram at Practice of the Day and at Kriya of the Week. This is a wide-ranging conversation. We cover everything, health, life, spirituality, movement. You guys are going to love it. Uh, before you go, make sure to give us five stars on iTunes, and please feel free to drop us a note anytime you have feedback for us. We appreciate you all so much, and enjoy the show. Much love. And we're live. Yeah, thanks for showing up. Thanks for being here. Really? Antenna? <laughs> yeah. So, the hair is... Doing Instagram Live? No, just one pick. <laughs> yeah. Just want to have it for later on. I mean, our body's a piece of technology, right? So, our hair comes out of our body, and it's actually coming out of our body at pretty vital spots, right? Like top of our head, around our feeding device, around our genitals, uh, in our armpits. And when we look at like what hair is made of, it's made of the nervous system. So the same cells that make up the nervous system make up your skin and your hair. And your hair basically and your skin are like the exterior version of the internal electric wires. The internal electric wires being the nervous system, the external sheath and antennas are the skin and the hair. So they do all sorts of functions. And we cut them off, you know, for aesthetic, aesthetic reasons. And what's most important, the most important part of the hair is the very end, the tips, right? So if you think about the antenna, like, like the end is where all of the receiving information comes in. So just trimming the hair, even if you have it long and you're constantly trimming it, you're also reducing the effectiveness of this technology. And I can keep on talking for an hour on what the hair is. There's like, it's so multidimensional in terms of what it does for us physically, energetically, all this stuff. I mean, our body hair also is radiating and sensing the hair and the skin because it's part of the nervous system are receiving organs. So they're receiving information and by information, mostly what I mean is light. They're also reserving frequent, uh, bringing in frequency from the earth, from everything around you. But it all essentially is versions of frequency or versions of light. And so your hair on your body is picking up all the subtle energies all around you. Much like if you cut off a whisker on cats and dogs, like those are sense organs for them. It's the same thing for us. It's, it's just subtle. You know, we've, we've hyper-developed our other senses. And in particular, a lot of this stems from us having an opposable thumb. Because we have an opposable thumb, we've got a large part of our brain dedicated to manipulating 
things and using tools and using our hands for a lot of stuff. So if you even just look at science and how we, as a scientific community, measure things and observe things, it's all machine. It's machine-based, right? It's if this thing that we built measures something, then it is so. It's very little intuitive sense, very little, like, actually feeling, you know? And those are important organs that if we didn't have this opposable thumb, then maybe that would be more real to us than the machines and the tools that we develop. You know, can you imagine if... If we just didn't have an opposable thumb, if we didn't have the ability to use our hands the way that we do, then we would have to figure out how to build the pyramids without machine technology, which is how we're trying to explain how things like the pyramids are built. It's like, how do they do that? They're everyone. We're so mechanical based, um, in this, this physical reality that we forget that we've got other abilities that are seemingly unperceivable. Yeah, I use the word we, right? So whether it's just Western or human, that's a good question. I am speaking mostly from the perspective of a Westerner. So maybe if I was in Tibet on top of a cliff saying these sentences, it wouldn't make any sense to the people I'm talking to, right? So I believe that the entire earth is alive also, and we're essentially skin cells of the earth. So in this particular side of the earth, the masculine side of the earth, this is how us skin cells think and operate. We're, we're linear and logical over here. If you go over to the east, the feminine side, the flowing intuitive side, uh, things are a little bit different. And then all around the earth, there's chakra systems and the Kundalini energy moves. And yeah, it's a, it's a very living system. So I think that we're all interconnected, but humans in general are different, uh, all over the earth, all over the city, all over, like, it's just a fractal upon fractal upon fractal. But I'm saying we, as the opposable thumb, mostly from a Western perspective. Yeah. I mean, People have, people have crazy abilities everywhere. And so even in the West, I mean, all my friends don't feel this way. It's just, I'm in the habit of speaking, um, in broad humanistic terms because, because everybody is, is us, right? I want to talk about hair for a second. So hair. Yeah. Back to hair. Back yeah. to hair. So let's, hair, let's do it. It's just super interesting to me. So hair is receiving information mostly from, you said light. So I'm assuming the sun, uh, but there's other light, of course, from TV and all kinds of LED and lamps and such. Is it, so you, you have grown your hair, you've grown your hair quite a bit on your, on your hair and facial hair. And I'm just thinking, for someone like you who hangs out a lot in the sun and is conscious, you're probably absorbing a lot of great information. But for somebody else who's maybe in a cubicle in a in an office, you know, doesn't get much sunlight, are they better off having longer hair and not trimming their hair as often or 
Do they want to get less hair and less information? You know what? I've actually thought of this. Uh, this is kind of a... There's a lot of things that I, I don't know the answer to, right? So this is this is one of them. I guess everything is like that, which keeps me wondering, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I think a great majority of the energy that I'm speaking of travels through... Uh, material objects like buildings. So the answer is yes and no. So a lot of the energy from the sun does travel straight through and the the other stars and the earth travel through buildings. So being inside uh, doesn't completely shield you from the positive and or negative effects that that's happening from, from the cosmos and the earth. Mm -hmm. However, being indoors with a hundred Wi-Fi signals blasting through you and 500 radio channels and, you know, the, the fake lights and the, the fake everything, the square walls, the negative bosses, all of these things, I think, is probably damaging and... I go back and forth like, well, should these people have short hair or, or should they be receiving all this energy? I, I think the answer isn't about the hair. It's about the environment, right? Like, sure. because the hair does nothing wrong. The hair is there to do its job. Um, but it's like, it's, it's like, uh, cholesterol in the body, right? Cholesterol is just doing its job by patching up the, the torn, arteries from excess eating of junk carbohydrates and so we blame the cholesterol uh for the the heart disease when really it was just doing its job so i don't know i don't know i don't do we do we try and make the cholesterol not work do we try and make the hair not work in the environment i i don't know i don't know what the the right answer is besides the fact that Maybe we shouldn't be working inside. For sure. No, I mean, I totally agree. I'm super Yeah. So I don't always use coconut oil, uh, but I just figured I knew that a lot of the people watching would be like, why are you putting on coconut oil before going, getting in the shower? And the thing is, is that if you put on lotion, I'm just going to use the, the general term lotion. If you put on lotion or oils after you get out of the shower, the water has already stripped all of the oils from your skin by that point. So then you're replacing the oil, the natural oils from your skin, you're replacing it with the coconut oil or whatever other lotion you're using. So if you put on coconut oil before you go in the shower, it acts you like you'll notice it's still on your skin when you get out of the shower it's just not so greasy but it's still the it it basically acts as a barrier so that the water doesn't 
pull out the natural oils of your skin from your skin. So you, number one, retain the natural oils of your skin, and two, the coconut oil still kind of is an additive to that, you know? And also, it's not so greasy, especially if you're, like, going to put on coconut oil and then go to bed. If you put on coke, if you take a shower, put on coconut oil, and then go to bed, your sheets are all greasy because <laughs> coconut, it's, yeah. co- it's oil. <laughs> and then, like... I mean, if you have people sleeping next to you, then it just kind of looks weird, especially if, like, yeah, it just kind of looks weird. There's just, like, these weird stains all over the sheets. But uh, maybe that's not a problem for a lot of people. But, yeah, for for some of us. Yeah, so that's essentially why. It's, like, pretty simple explanation. The dry, oh, yeah, so dry brushing before. For sure, the skin is a detoxifying organ. So it's excreting a lot of the waste products inside your body. I mean, it's covering your entire body. So a lot of stuff comes out of the skin, the kidney, the liver, the lungs also expel a lot of waste, the lymph. Okay. That's like the armpits and, and all the lymph nodes and lymph channels all over your body. These things need to be taken care of. And so for the skin, if we just have dead skin piling up and it's never coming off, then it's, it's, yeah, it's just a blocked channel. So also for probably many women and some men that's been to a spa or goes to get treatments, like there's a lot of exfoliation, full body exfoliations that happen in these therapy settings because it works, right? You got somebody scrubbing salt all over your body. It's to take off the dead skin. And so if you're, if you're dry skin brushing, you really want to get everywhere. Like your butt crack, your like everywhere, like up underneath your chin, behind your ears. Because if you're getting it done by somebody else, they're getting everywhere also. And so also if you go to, I've never been to, like a detoxifying retreat, but it's also the same thing. Like a lot of it has to do with removing dead skin. Yeah. Well, if you use it regularly, it, it like, it goes away. The pain goes away. Yeah. I don't think the brush gets, gets softer. I think you get used to it. I also think it has to do with energy. So like if you've got blockages because you have dead skin on your self, then there's probably stuffed and inflamed channels that are really small. I don't even know what they are. I'm just kind of making this up right now, but it has to be right. If, if there's stuff trying to come out and it's blocked and then you're brushing on top of it, the little inflamed pores are probably hurting, you know? And so as you brush and those things clear, it's, it, it stops hurting. It's amazing. I can brush as hard as like, I can go grab a rock and, and scrape my skin right now and I'm fine. Like sand. Uh, yeah. A lot of people tell me that. <laughs> How often do you dry brush? Three times a week. 
And then sometimes, you know, like everything, every, every good habit, every once in a while, you just like, don't do it for a couple years. So I don't want to say that I've been dry brushing regularly for 15 years, but I guess I could say that I've been dry brushing regularly for 15 years, but sometimes I just don't do it for a while, you know? And yeah, but you want to do it like three times a week. If if that's what you're asking. Do do you shower every time you do it? Or is this just sometimes just kind of like it's fun? I've got a, I, so one of my issues is I don't shower enough and I, and I don't even shower when I shower. It's more of just a a rinse with cold water. Mm Mm-hmm. Why is that a problem? Because I don't do it enough. I I I pretty much have to force myself to do it. Most of the time, if I'm going into the shower, I don't remember the last time I went into the shower. Like, it wasn't like yesterday. It was like two, three, four days ago. I don't, I don't even remember. So, to answer your question, and so I think that's too long, especially if we're talking about energy, water really cleanses and and you're picking up from being in places, your hair especially is grabbing on to all the frequency. So, we really should be rinsing our hair every two to three days and same with our skin. And that's why I say it's a problem because I'm not doing it enough. No. Yeah, no conditioner. You're probably... So, especially if you have short hair, there's absolutely no reason to use... I just don't get it. Why... Like, it's not like you're rubbing your head in dirt, like, that was on the streets of downtown Los Angeles. Like, I just don't get why we treat our body... Like it's this diseased thing and we have to disinfect it every single day. It doesn't make any sense to me. And if it smells like that, if it does smell like a disease thing that you need to disinfect, then scrubbing the outside of it's not going to help, you know? Like it's, it's pretty simple to just become healthy internally. The benefits of being healthy internally are like, I don't like... It's, it's crazy. Like it's not worth having McDonald's every day. Like it's like the benefits way, way outweigh the addiction to shit lifestyle. And so that's like kind of why I do the things that I've done my whole life. I own gyms and I promoted health and because it's from what I'm, what, from my perspective, I feel it's it's the best life for everybody. And I would like to perceive everybody in their best life and their best light. So, yeah, it's beautiful. Regarding movement? Regarding movement and your, I guess, your physical practice. So, I don't think a lot of people know that I actually went to school for psychology. I went to college for psychology, and two years in, I was 
I was uh, looking at the students that I was in classes with and realizing that I'm not like any of these people. And also everyone that's going to graduate with this four year degree is not going to have like any use out of it. Like you need to, if you get a master's degree in psychology, which is another two years, you can be like a social worker. And so you really have to be like a doctorate before you would do anything that I was interested in. I'm interested in help helping people. That's why I went to school to learn about people. But, uh, uh, I was disappointed of course, cause college doesn't really teach you <laughs> much, but, uh, so I, I attained, I got a minor. I started working on a minor in exercise science because I was like, okay, it doesn't look like I'm going to have a career in psychology. So I got exercise science and I moved to California. And so as much as I attained a knowledge about exercise, like I probably know more in other areas of the human condition, which I guess we can get into. Um, but I'll get back to more specifically what your question is. But I, th I feel that the reason why I'm so outside of the box movement wise is because I don't view the human as a machine, right? Like, like I was talking about earlier, it's, if you look at the human being as just a mechanical thing that lifts barbells up and down and that equals health, you know, how, how many times you can do a 405 pound deadlift in three minutes or something, uh, it, it's, it's unsatisfying to me. It doesn't address psychological concerns. It doesn't address balance issues. It doesn't address the psychophysiological connection, right? Because everything in our mentality and our emotions and just how we consciously perceive life is connected to this physical capsule, and if we're doing things, and I know this because I'm not perfect, so I can see that my hips are very locked up because I played hockey my whole life. And if you go into any yoga class, they're going to tell you, you store emotions in your hips. And I'm like the least emotional person on this planet. Like, and I have really, really tight hips, tight hips. So there's a connection of how we use our body physically to how we even just are as a person. So a lot of the stuff that I've done over the past 10 years or however long it's been, I owned a gym for 10 years. So probably been working out for a lot longer than that, but it's, it's an evolution and a, and a constant progression of, how I look at the body and it's not mechanical. So that's kind of where, like why I'm riding a unicycle, you know, I'm riding a unicycle because, and trying to play a ukulele, which I don't even know musical instruments. I'm, I'm like, I started riding a unicycle. Then I'm like, can I learn a musical instrument and then do that while riding a unicycle? This is, this is all not just for the physical capability of being able to do something I couldn't do. You know, it's, it's because I know that it's also rewiring the circuitry of the brain. And I know you guys have CrossFit backgrounds. And as a CrossFit gym owner, I own two CrossFit gyms. 
CrossFit did and does a good job at getting people to broaden their horizons and then that transfers into their life. Like many of my clients and my CrossFit programming was a lot different than probably the mainstream CrossFit programming, but like every CrossFit gym owner talks about their clients getting raises, getting into happier relationships, uh, all of these positive things. And so when it comes to movement, yeah, I just want the broadest, weirdest, most radical stuff that I can do. And it doesn't have to be heavier, heavier, heavier. But yeah, so what, I, I don't know if that even answers your question. Which is what I've done to you the other day when you were doing a handstand and just kept kicking a soccer ball at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Inspired from him. You guys did that? <laughs> yeah, it is living room. Yeah, well, I'm holding a handstand. <laughs> I'm just kicking a soccer ball towards it. And it's fun, right? It instantly makes you smile when that happens. That's It, it puts you into a flow state or... A meditative state. I think it's more like a flow state when you are forced to be doing something that's beyond your capabilities. And I also believe and think and know that there's, you're grabbing onto something outside of yourself, right? Like if you're doing something outside of your capabilities, then where is that extra 5% coming from? It's not, I mean, it's not in you. It like, so it's coming from somewhere else. So yeah, I think that, that these flow states and and practicing in a, even a gym environment, you can practice to attain these flow states. You're just going to have to go outside of the lines that are the parameters of normal gym movements to achieve these things. And so that's I'm kind of chasing that. It's interesting because we've been on a similar path uh, for the past year and change, learning from Johnny Saponoso, um, Ito Portel's uh, protege, uh, it has a movement practice and it's a lot of, uh, we get out of sessions f from neck down, I can keep going. My head is exploding, trying to make all these cognitive, new cognitive connections. You know, we're just playing with tennis balls, trying to dribble them with one hand and yeah. <laughs> They wouldn't get the, uh, the left, right hand thing is crazy. Uh, like I, I'm right handed. And when I try and do something with my left, it's, it's kind of nuts. I almost need to, to transfer. It's like, I'm copying the files from my, my, I guess it'd be my left brain, right side of my body to the other side of my brain. And I can't do that while like struggling. I have to just like be like, all right, I'm going to do this with my left hand and it's going to work and I know how to do it. <laughs> you mentioned earlier Kundalini energy and I feel like the Kundalini community, I guess, is something that you're informally involved in. Um, we've done it that way of articulating it. Yeah. I, I was mentioning this before the show and and what I meant by that is when I learn things, I don't, 
I almost do the bare minimum to know what the, what is being taught. And then I just learn on my own for sometimes forever or sometimes for a number of years before then I go back to the experts and attain information from them. So I'm constantly always learning with kind of like with, uh, with my ears closed, I guess would be a good way of saying it. So, and then that's how I develop my own unique perspective on everything. I guess that's a side effect. I'm not doing it for that purpose, but everything that I do, I'm unique because I, I tend not to look to experts at first. I am, uh, so I've never been, I practice Kundalini a lot and I was practicing it a lot 11, 12 years ago, maybe 13 years ago when I first moved to LA, I was friends with a pretty powerful woman. She was an energy healer to a lot of celebrities and used Kundalini. And we would go out to dinner like three times a week and just have discussions. And, and it's actually, I use that technology to create my, my gyms that I had for 10 years. And I had long hair back then and like the whole thing. So I just re- I got back into it after I closed down my gyms a couple years ago. And I actually, I think I was shutting the doors of my gyms like exactly two years, uh, like, like this week. Yeah. So the, yeah, so I'm, I'm in, I'm using the Kundalini technology, but without really, without a teacher myself. Like I, same thing with CrossFit. I was never a member of a CrossFit gym. I just created my own CrossFit gym without, I went and got CrossFit certified, opened a CrossFit gym with, without ever taking a CrossFit class at another studio. Actually, I took like two, I worked out at a CrossFit gym like two or three times and I was like, what is this? And they're like, it's CrossFit. You should check it out. It's a thing. Go to CrossFit.com. There's a CrossFit games. And I was like watching and then I just opened up just straight away. So yeah, I'm kind of doing that with the whole, uh, the yogic thing. And, and I've been studying about a lot of the, the same philosophy for a long period of time. It's just right now the Kundalini thing is, is a good, like anchor to a lot of the different systems that I'm, I'm also using of so I know a little bit about a lot of subjects regarding like metaphysical stuff like, and woo-woo stuff, astrology, um, extraterrestrials, the history of the earth, like, like the alternative slash real history of planet earth. Um, the, the physics of how all this works, energy work, then just like super ascended beings, psychics. I've got, I've got a lot of afterlife experiences. I don't have a lot of afterlife experience. I was just adding to this. I got a lot of data in all these different subjects and 
I use not just Kundalini, but I use the yogic, like the real yoga philosophy. And most of that comes through the channel of Kundalini to, to, uh, to anchor all of that stuff, right? So why is the Mayan calendar and the Aztec calendar and the, the, the Chinese calendar, why are they all like saying certain things? Well, in the yogic philosophy, they're also, and same thing with the, the ancient peoples are talking about passing over from the Piscean to the Aquarian age, right? That's a big thing in Kundalini is the Aquarian age and all of the, the things that happen. So I feel like I'm just learning and exploring a lot of everything, but Kundalini anchors it all down because I went and I spent seven months just studying straight up Kundalini. So I think that kind of like made me put everything else on pause seven months of Kundalini, uh, through teacher training and then it kind of just like validated everything else a little bit more. So that's kind of what I mean by having an, it's an anchor. Also, it brings it all into a physical practice. So all of these, these subtle energies bringing it into a physical practice of Kundalini yoga makes it able to be felt by myself and or people that I'm teaching. Like you can feel the energy, the subtle energy of your body. You can feel how you can shift your brain by doing movements in your physical body, you know? So that's, that's how I use the, the technology of Kundalini. So you've studied with a teacher for seven months or was that on your yeah, own? Yeah, it was a, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a certified Kundalini teacher. Who certified you? If you, uh, sure. so it was Sat Siri at Wonderlust, Wonderlust in Hollywood. Is this, uh, you were, you were talking about how usually you just take like kind of the bare minimum and go on your own journey to learn. Is this like a different experience where you found a great teacher? What's, what's there's, the story behind this? Uh, hmm. I wish I didn't say her name now. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> in a, it's going to just sound bad on her, but she did a good job. The, the thing with a group environment is that there's other people in the group that you're learning with. And so, I mean, I read the textbook. I was done with all of the books like second month in, you know? Yeah. So I was ready to go deeper, sure. but we're also in a level one course. There's level two, level three, level four. So, uh, you were ready to move fast. Yeah. And you had to be slowed down. Kind yeah. Of like I mean, in other like environments read... where we got to go based on the average or the slowest. Right. Person, and and is... I had the advantage of like not working so I could do that sort of thing. You know, everyone, like probably everyone else had jobs. And so to answer your question, yeah, it was like one of those things where I was kind of just, uh, there for the piece of paper, um, after a couple months and mm -hmm. it was, that's probably how it would have been anywhere, you know, for sure. Did you dive in deeper on your own since meaning like you got that level one and then ever since you went into like, as you said, there are different levels and you got those other books and dove in on your own. So, yeah, I don't know if it actually changed anything, uh, that dramatically. Cause I, I mentioned studying psychology 20 years ago, 18 years ago, I started, in college with psychology. So it's been a long time since I've been into all of this stuff. 
I mean, I was meditating at 19 years old, figuring out how to transport through people's dreams. And I actually think I opened a portal because like this week alone, four people have told me you showed up in my dream. And I'm talking like three people from Instagram and one person in real life said like, yo, bro, you've showed up in like five of my dreams in the last couple weeks. So, and this is an ongoing thing that I'm constantly showing up in people's dreams. And so when I was younger, I used to meditate down to the frequency of the earth and then use this process to pop up in, in other people's dreams. Uh, mostly women and, and, uh, psychically seduce them. And so I think I opened up some sort of channel. So the, the, to answer your question, it Kundalini just added on to everything and, and it added on as like, kind of like an anchor. Mostly now that I'm talking about it, I've never been asked that question. Like why I've just said that, but it's, it's, because of the physical practice. It's like, cause I'm a very f- active person and it's like, here's a practice where you can do a bunch of weird stuff that you've never done before. And it's harnessing the powers of yourself and the universe and all of this stuff that you already know a whole bunch of stuff about. So that's why it's the physical, like th- it's the practice of Kundalini. I want to talk about a portal. What, yeah. what does it mean to open a portal? It means a lot of different things, but we are all made of the same stuff, right? We, we're made of the same stuff and we've got a, a strong, the, the way that our consciousness is right now, we've got a strong identity in independence. And I'm saying we, cause I don't talk about like the masses, I don't talk about people as other people, but I'm just saying like we as a people on this planet have a strong fixation on being individuals. And so I think we have energetically shielded ourselves off from everyone else around us and everything else around us and the past and the, and the future, like the past and the future, even like scientifically will be said don't exist linearly. They're existing now, but yet we still live our life day to day as if they're separate, like things, like as if we're not connected to them. So what I mean by portal is that there's, there's, there's little openings that we can make or achieve or feel that connect us to one another or connect us to other dimensions or other periods of time. And we were always connected to begin with. It's just the way that we've developed as a species and the way that our culture is set up and the way that we were raised, we've really identified with being an individual. And so we're going to create whatever reality we intend on. So what I'm saying is I once intended on slipping into other people's dreams. I was using techniques to do this. And so that connection has been established. And now I feel that I'm a part of me is doing that all the time to people all over the world because of the amount of messages I get from people that I don't even know 
talking about me popping up in their dreams. So this is happen, happening unconsciously. Yeah, I don't have... You're not setting the intention now to open the portal correct. to go to these people, but you've done a bunch of other work before. Yeah, and I believe that this... It's like, I know that door can be opened. I know a door exists there. So there's some part of me that's walking through that door. If everyone else has that door sealed off and shut and glued, like, and they're intending that it doesn't even exist, then maybe it's not happening as much, you know, for other people. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. That's uh, actually a good question. And I'm glad that I got to explain it that way. Cause I've never even thought about like portals like that. Yeah, I'm in this, uh, I'm producing right now. After I closed the gym, I was, uh, being just really being for reading reality and just taking every moment as it goes, no goal setting, no, just no anything. And there's a lot of, a lot of me that's still like that, but now I started up some projects just there's a dog in the other room if anyone hears that but uh i started up some projects so i'm doing a lot now and it's requiring me this like to be waking up really early and then just just quote working even though most people wouldn't call it work because uh yeah just i'm producing information to put on the internet mostly so I don't forget it. There's just, there's so much information that I have and I just want to make videos of it and put it out. And so I'm just making videos every single day and putting it on YouTube or Instagram or wherever, uh, so that it's there so that even I don't forget, you know, and because I know the internet's kind of forever right now, it's perceivably going to be there permanently. And I know that's, not at all, um, like it could all change overnight. Like the internet can just disappear tomorrow, but morning routines. So during that whole time, uh, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't really think I do routines very, very much. I've got standards that I follow that I don't cross boundaries. Um, like I don't use shampoo or conditioner. I don't, really uh make it a habit of like watching tv i don't have a tv i don't i only eat like the super super high quality foods so that that makes my day uh like i have to go get the food somewhere you know so i'm usually going to this market Air one. I don't know if you guys have been there. Probably just, right. Just dropped four hundred bucks yesterday. Yeah. So so like the routine's kind of based on my standards. Yeah. I mean, I used to live right next to one, and I was there three times a day, every day, and that's where all my friends came from. And yeah. So yeah, not really routine-ish. What do you what do you eat these days? You talked about superfoods, and I remember a time where you said you you barely eat. You're not even sure if there's a need for food, and we've been seeing our um, 
yoga teacher is almost 70 years old who also uh, he takes a shower once a week he scrubs he does his own russian sauna routine and he eats he eats once a day he eats at 12 he usually eats amaranth with some other uh superfoods uh, including blueberries uh, some zarhi or barhi dates what's what's your latest on nutrition and and what are you drinking right now? Because I saw you putting some some oils in there earlier or something. I'm this like, is, uh, <laughs> he's not offering us any of those oils, but it's okay. It's got it's it's some some aloe powder and some other superfood ingredients. So actually, I forgot one of the things because you mentioned eating, which most people don't really consider a routine, but. I do a version of eating, which is like, I have to get into the sun every single day. I have to get my feet on the earth every single day. I usually do breath work every day. Mm -hmm. And so those I view as important as eating. And so routine wise, I'm, I'm getting out into the sun every single day, um, earthing and breathing and also just a 24-hour meditation, meditative state. But uh, so that, that yeah, the food thing is wild. I don't know. I feel like if you believe in food and like the macronutrient count, then it's going to be something that's important for you. But like right now, I'm actually on a cleanse. So I, I'm not really eating that much right now. And normally in the last couple of years, and even before I closed the gym, I was kind of like this. Since I started really making it a, a, a routine to get out into the sun and earth, I haven't needed so much food and especially breath work. So I'm basically consuming superfoods all day long with snacks of like fruits or vegetables during the day. And then I usually eat once at night. That's kind of how my eating's been. And I'm actually, um, I know you guys have a primal goods company, but I'm, I'm also involved in like a superfood company also. So I'm consuming those superfoods all day long. And then eating and I've been eating pretty much under what would be classified as vegan, but I am not vegan. I do not identify with being vegan. I every once in a while eat an animal and I don't like it and I do it kind of socially and even I don't really like how it makes me feel. But I'm not like identified with being vegan. However, I do want to be as close to the source nutrition as possible. So that means the light, the air, the water, the ether. That's what everything's made of. And a plant is like the first version of that, right? And so everybody, when they talk about diet, this is again about the culture of fitness and just health in general, everyone's talking about the physical body, right? We've got this obsession with the physical body. What is going to make us live the longest? What is going to make us perform the best? What is going to make us look the best? And so when we talk about diet, if we, if we don't have those concerns, 
Like, I don't have those concerns. I've dated, like, I've done, I was just going to kind of brag a little bit, what <laughs> sounded like bragging, but basically I've looked as good as I wanted to look. I've, I've performed as good as I wanted to perform. And I have like, just my, my physical body, I've done everything I've wanted to do with in this life. And I want more. So I need to look outside my physical body, right? I need to look outside of this physical reality. So what that means is that I'm going to fuel myself for that purpose. And that purpose doesn't necessarily mean that it's best for my physical capsule. So fueling yourself for spiritual reasons or non-physical reasons can be conflicting to your physical body. And so it can be, I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying that I have questions over whether being, uh, like not eating animals, I'm unsure whether that's the healthiest thing and I'm okay with it not being the healthiest thing because I want to be closer to light. I want to be consuming light. When we think about animals, carne, right? That's, that's, that's what meat is, carne. Carne is also the root word for carnage and for incarnation, reincarnation. It, it essentially means like this physical plane, the earth. So if we've got a, uh, 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 um, if we've got a plant that is edible, this plant is made of sunlight, water, earth, and air. And it's there. If we eat it, we attain those things. It's like a secondary uh, version of the pure ingredients that the plant is. It's a combination of those things. If we eat an animal that ate the plant, now this is like a third version of the source. Right. And so what's mm -hmm. making that up is like the animal is actually... All of these things I just mentioned, light, earth, air, water, like all of these things are also making up the animal, but the animal is like more rooted in this physical dimension. These source things also have attributes that are, let's just say multidimensional, things that we can't really perceive, maybe they extend out of our, our time and space even, but the animal's an animal and it's here. So it's got more of like, like just physicalness to it. So if we're eating the animals, yeah, it's made up of the same stuff that we're made up of. So it could be beneficial for us. Like the animal has cholesterol. We need cholesterol. So we get it from the animal. So yeah, it just depends on which where you want to be. And that's why a lot of spiritually minded people are not eating animals. And also the argument is that they all look the way that they look and, and it's not healthy. Well, like why are we arguing about health? Like there's, that's not the end all be all, you know, every single ancient culture revered the afterlife more than they revered this life. And so that's like after we die people. So the, the goal of like, make sure someone stays alive no matter what is, I think the wrong 
standing perspective. So nurture the spirit over the physical body. That's kind yeah. of the And then like from that we get we get like older people feeling shamed from society because we don't accept that there's this other like reality that they actually are tapped into like their portals open it's starting to open up to this other dimension and they don't talk about it because we're all going to say they're crazy you know same thing with the kids the kids come into this earth and they've got the new genetic downloads from the star and they're talking stuff that the adults are looking at them like what like you're insane kid go to school and learn who is the general of the war of 1812, you know, it's, they get the old people and the young people who are connected to these other realms almost get shamed for it because the ones ruling this planet, the 20 to 45 year old people have this, the most stock here. And so from our perspective, that's what's right. I want to touch again on the superfoods for a second. So what kind of superfoods do you consume right now? Or lately? Uh, I've got these amino acid tabs that I... So I'm aligned with um, this friend of mine who owns a company and I, I kind of sell through him. Um, do you, do you want to mention the name of the brand? I mean, they can just contact me and... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, I don't want to mention the name of the brand to answer your question. So, um, amino acid tabs, uh, because I don't consume animals. So, one of the main things I take are these these amino acid tabs that were made for coma patients to, to keep their muscles from wasting away. So, I take those things a lot, like like 30 amino acid tabs a day and they're like 99% absorbable protein. So it's very, very high absorption rate, which is why I still have muscles. I actually was like getting really, really mal malnourished until I started taking these amino acid tabs. And then I also, they've got like a lot of juiced products, juiced Egyptian wheatgrass where the, the, he found the seeds in an Egypt, like, well, he didn't find them, but he, he was the first one to bring them to America. These Egyptian, they found these seeds in the Egyptian tombs. Um, so the reason why I don't want to say the company is because on my website, I got this whole thing and I'd rather people just see that okay. than just like Google something, you know, what are the amino acids? Uh, where, where did they come from? <clears throat> you know, I don't know, but I know where a lot of the other stuff comes from. I actually was, I have the research, the scientific research papers, um, that I still have to read. And it's just like, I still have to read that. And then there's these other pills that remove roundup chemicals from eating non-organic foods. Mm -hmm. There's scientific like studies of papers that I need to read also. So those two things are on my like I need to know about this. So when I get asked questions like that, I know the answer, but they're just like actual scientific data things, yeah, journals. Sure. I don't know what they are, but it's just pages of like text that I haven't got into yet. 
So, uh, I do not know how they're made, but they're vegan. How long have you been taking the, the amino acids? Six months. So, you'll even notice if you go back on my Instagram before, I would say f- maybe four or five months. And so, I've known about this company for five years and I didn't ever start taking them to the intent, the, the, the intensity I'm taking everything now until I, I hung out with the owner like for several, like I've, I've been to his house for several weeks over the last like couple months. Like I've spent like weeks at a time there. I hosted, I was cooking for an autistic, he did a, an event for autistic children. So he's, he, he's got charitable causes. So I was helping out at one of those and just like add some other stuff at his place and like really getting to know the guy. And he's just a genius. Like, <laughs> Crazy, crazy. But uh, what else do I take? So the the glyphosate, getting the glyphosate from Roundup, he's got the only proven herbal supplement to take it out of your cells. So it's actually a glyphosate like remover from your body. He's he's crazy, man. Is Is he a food scientist? Is he like one of those guys? He studied all the ancient healing modalities like Ayurveda and Amazon herbs and, and, uh, I don't actually know his credentials. I know that he's been all over the world. He's been in the game a long time. He's debated entire like countries before over their food policies. And yeah, he's not just like some new guy on the black. He's also, um, pretty ascended on many levels. We gotta meet this guy. Yeah, so I am and I mentioned I was working a lot. I've been staring at a screen all day long for the last few weeks, the last few months, and it's affecting me. Yeah. I feel like that I'm kind of like, uh, putting a lot of strain on my body. So ideally I wouldn't be doing that, but it's the nature of my reality right now. I do think that Reducing the amount of blue light at night is massively beneficial, especially if you're not going into the sun and that's like the only version of light you're getting. However, with all of that said, I am also a person that has to prioritize his time and his just like mental energy and resources. And I've been very inharmonious with my body regarding that recently like very inharmonious. So, um, I think it's an issue for sure, but even I like I'm looking into computer screens at night and I'm not wearing glasses, even though I was, uh, I'm always thinking about like, there's so much stuff to think about, right? Like I was going to order glasses every single day for the last like three years. (laughs) (laughs) It's, we're going to send him a pair. We're going to Amazon you a pair right after this. Maybe Dude, just like, 
Maybe I, just take mine. Call it a day. I'm breaking my own heart. Like I think it's 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 like very important, and it's. I mean, I have. I think our society is using computers. We we have like a mild addiction to it, and it's it's our. It's how the West is going to serve the East. Like we're going to like we've had these wars. We've used child labor, and we. We destroyed the planet, but this is the necessary steps that the West, like this is our, our service to the world because we're going to take, we've developed the internet. We developed, I mean, maybe we didn't develop the internet. The, the, there's very, very smart people in the East also, but we've done a lot of things where it's going to make it easier to spread the messages that need to be spread. You know, like the iPhone is going to help everything. And so even though there's like 12 year old Chinese kids building the iPhone, the iPhone's helping a lot of people get connected and eventually it's going to, to serve this planet. Let's talk about light. So sunlight is important. Do you sun gaze? Do you yeah. just, I went through like, like a couple years where I was sun gazing every single morning for up to 45 minutes, like for a long, like every single day. And because I'm like producing and kind of grinding now, it's, it's like, that's down to a few minutes a day now. So the, I can feel my charge diminishing, but yeah, I, I fully think, I mean, we are, we are sunlight you know and i also don't the the burning ball of gas in the in the sky thing i don't think is real so i've got a different perspective of what the sun actually is i i think we're living in more like an electroplasma like an electric universe and gravity so the way that the old universe was constructed i don't even think they discovered electricity whenever the our current model of how the universe works was developed i don't believe they like electricity existed then so everything was gravitationally based and so the only way we could explain to ourselves that a planet would rotate around a star would be because there is this force of gravity and gravity is still a theory you know, it's not like proven to be and as if that would make a difference, but it's not, it's not, it doesn't have to be a fact, even in our own minds, that gravity is the, the, the force that's holding the entire universe together. And like, even things like the speed of light, I don't think are real. I, I, I know that light travels instantaneously like we live in a field and that field is communicating instantaneously we can measure distances yes but we can also measure other forces that are happening like like many 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 light years away we can measure forces as they're happening now and we can measure the forces as they're happening in the future so and the past so yeah, this whole uh, how reality is constructed, it's convoluted to everyone, 
And so we just go with what we're taught in school. And I would say it's still convoluted for me, but I have completely unsubscribed, stepped out of the matrix of pretty much everything I was taught in school. Like everything to the, like to, to the fact that I rely on things not being like we were taught in school. I rely on, on magic. I rely on me being able to create reality. I rely on a lot of things that shouldn't be real. You said you got into meditation at age 19, mm-hmm. um, which was a while ago and not as popular as it is now. And you have this perspective, as I said, that is not the mainstream at all, right? It's the, the opposite. How, how did you get into this? Is it something like your parents were like looking into obscure places for information? What was your path? Um, and where, where did you grow up? Because we know you're kind of as the LA guy by now. But Yeah, I've lived in LA for 13 years. I grew up in Michigan in... Uh Yeah, I didn't have anything that really stimulated me besides the fact that everything I was looking at in reality seemed fake and stupid, which would have been the way I would have described it as like an 18 or 19-year-old. It's how I was talking to everybody back then. I was, uh, you know, when 9-11 happened, I was one of the first people. I was in college talking to everyone like, guys, like, are you guys... Like, do you really think that we were attacked? Do you really think that, like, we were attacked, people? And, like, classroom, like, arguments, everyone versus me, people crying, the professors telling me I'm crazy kind of thing. So I was, like, always that kid. And even when I was really young, I used to think I was psychic. I eventually realized that I could just feel the future the quote future. And then I realized that like, I am the future. I am whatever I'm creating. So I am the source of the quote future. Mm -hmm. So I've been evolving my perspectives, uh, for a long time. I wasn't really, uh, a drinker, so I didn't really drink alcohol. And when I was in college, I lived in a house that my brother and I owned and it was the hockey house because I played hockey. So we like everyone would come over and we have had parties there and I would be the only one not drinking. I would be, uh, making egg white omelets, <laughs> you know, after hockey games. And, and so I just always felt I've always been an outcast. And so I moved out of Michigan because I cared about health and I cared about what I didn't even know was like, what is now kind of called spiritualism, which I don't really like that term either. We need like just this awareness is really what it is. It's an awareness of the fact that what people call spiritualism and reality are actually the same thing. So <clears throat> I moved out of Michigan because the, the awareness level there is very, very low moved to California And then I was just still an outcast, you know, in the, in the exercise community, I was doing things way off, got a lot of hate. I, I, I acted radically and so the hate, I don't, I don't think was, uh, I probably deserved some of it, but, uh, (laughs) 
Um, yeah. And I'm still just kind of just doing my own thing. It's been something I've been doing my whole life is, is I'm just very comfortable, not like conforming. Yeah. But it's not, I'm not doing it on purpose. It's just like everything that I'm interested in, everything that I see is different than how most people see it. But 10 years later, like right now, the entire exercise world is doing stuff that I was doing 10 years ago. Like, and everyone that was training with me, like competitive CrossFit athletes would be like, why are you doing this stupid shit? You know, like, why are you doing this stuff? Um, why? Like I was, I was winning CrossFit competitions by going to the beach every day and laying out in the sun, you know, and that was my training. So yeah. And now it's like every health guru is talking about the power of earthing and the power of sunlight and like even the power of the waves of the ocean coming in and spraying negative ions into the, the atmosphere, which are antioxidants. So there's, yeah, there's, I don't want to say I'm ahead of the time and that's why everything's messed up because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in the dark. I'm fumbling in the dark. That's kind of one of the things with being the way that I am and, and not looking around at what other people are doing is that like, I'm completely in the dark and there's no validation. There's no knowing of what I'm doing is right or wrong. If those things even exist. It's, it sounds like you've been from a young age, following your heart, listening to the whispers in the world and just not caring that everybody else is trying to go with the same stream in the same way just so they don't get the backlash. Because you're like, fuck the backlash. I don't care. I see this truth. I'm going to explore it. If nobody else wants to join, it doesn't matter. Which I had a similar experience, which is why I'm... Yeah. This is my analysis on it. <laughs> Yeah, the the authenticity thing is is important. <laughs> like like that's actually all that matters is that especially from a masculine perspective, like the masculine force is 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 to be on purpose. And so if I feel like I'm doing something out of alignment with myself, like I, f I, I know it. And it's like red flashing lights, like, like me looking at a computer screen all day long. I've been just like telling myself, I need to figure this out. Like do I, do I need to outsource this work and <laughs> make somebody else stare into the computer screen? Is that the answer? I don't, I don't, I don't know. So it's like, I it's just constantly being authentic and on purpose is, is the only thing that really matters. And I think that going to school is like the first time. I mean, actually parents are the first thing that, that humans interact with that says like, what you're doing is wrong. 
right? Like they're saying no all the time. And then you look at the TV and there's this whole illusion of something else that like we're, we're constantly persuaded to be somebody else. And you go to school and then they kind of brainwash you into a nine to five employee, right? And all the people, there's this whole like keeping up with the Joneses with all the cool kids and what they're wearing and how much, how expensive their shoes were. Then you get out and you go to college and it's just more of the same at a, like a more dynamic level because now you're like sleeping with each other outside of class and like, yeah, everyone's got jobs. Some people have real jobs making real money and there's a lot of like peeling away the layers to get back to like, like who am I? And like, I, I'm at the fact where like, even I don't think money is real, like the green pieces of paper are value, like they have no value to me. So, uh, almost anything for you. Money was always based on something that's valueless. That's the point because you trade something valueless for something of value. Like it's, it's essentially just an IOU and you don't want the IOU to have value, but eventually the IOU attains value because of what it can quote buy. So yeah, metal gold, like these things, yeah, it just comes value. Value is a crazy conversation because how we value ourselves is uh is <laughs> that's a door that a lot of people need to open and look into like where do you how do you perceive yourself is it how much money you have in your bank is it how how good you are at sports is it how pretty you are is it how your friends feel about you it's like you can choose how you value yourself you can choose what you value like for me, I really like to be outside in the sun on the earth. I said, I mentioned that I do that every single day. If I could do that all day long, which I did for the last two years up until just some time ago, I was just doing that. And I was the richest man. Like I was as rich as I could be. Like I was as wealthy as I can be. And I still feel very, very wealthy. But right now I'm kind of like I'm trading some of that wealth because I'm also producing, uh, I've got like kind of projects I'm working on. So I had to trade wealth. I had to trade my wealth, which is my freedom and my time in, in the source energy. I traded that for producing. So yeah, values, values a crazy thing and everyone needs to determine how they value themselves. And if they value their time, then, you know, everyone's brainwashed and thinking that time, like when we can trade our time for money, then if we're trading our time for money, then I've never had a job. Like I've never had a full-time job in my life. I've, I've always worked for myself. I was mowing lawns when I was like in fifth grade. And so this, I've got a really weird perspective of money because I've never had, I've never had this like need for it where I need to like, I have, I don't want to make it sound like I've never been, 
broke or never been poor because I have many times and I'm fine with that. I'm fine not being able to afford food. I'll just fast. Like it's a perfect time for me to fast. And then if I want to work out all day, I'll figure out a way to arrange my reality where I work out all day and I somehow have enough money to buy the cars I want, eat the food I want to eat, do whatever I want to do, buy whatever I want off the internet. Like, and I make that into a reality, but it's not, it's not so based on money. It's based on my intention. And that's, that's kind of the magic of my message is that the human body is a piece of technology that we can manipulate this physical environment with. Yes. But we can also just manipulate reality itself and we'll eventually get to the stage through this process and through this self-evolution of harmonizing all of our fields, all of our different bodies and perspectives. We'll eventually get to the point where we have achieved everything we've ever desired and we'll step through that, we'll step through that, that boundary into a place, into a desireless place. And that's the heaven scenario. When you know that everything is for you and everything is existing through you, then like that's the heaven scenario. And there's, there's a way to get to that here while we're living. And like, it's not that hard to do. <laughs> I mean, it might take a decade or two. But it's still like, it's, it's attainable and we don't have to wait till we die to like find out if this place, like heaven's a state of mind. It's not a freaking place with like in the clouds. It's not. Yeah. Dude, it's like, cause the first thing you would do is quit your job if you don't like it. Like it, you have to be authentic. And if you're, if you're every single day is based on you going to do something you don't like, then your body's not in harmony. Your mentality is not in harmony and you can't be a properly functioning piece of technology. If it's doing something that it shouldn't, that it knows the thing is, you know, if you hate your job, you know, you're doing something wrong. And that's, that should be the only important thing. And I'm not saying that everyone should, should be able to do something about this, but you should be aware that's, that something's wrong. Your body knows something's wrong. Your mind knows something wrong. But when you look around and you see everybody else in a job, you're like, no, it must be right. This must be life. And like, no, there's plenty. <laughs> that's not like, listen to yourself. And so if you want to get to a state where you've attained, where you get everything that you want to the point where like you don't even want anything, then you have to start being like, you have to start following what your technology is telling you. So listen, this, I used to live, uh, so, so I had a house before, um, I'm, I've been staying here a couple months, but before this place, 
I was, I had, I had houses that I was living in. And so I could go outside and be naked, uh, either on the deck in one of them or in the yard in another one. And for years, I like for the last seven years, I've lived in two different houses and three different houses actually. And two of them I didn't pay for because, and they were like $10,000 a month houses <laughs> because like I have this construct where I don't really think money is necessary. So my reality situates itself around that construct. Anyways, um, uh, the answer to your question is no, but I want to emphasize that like, if you go outside and shine your ass to the, and testicles and labia to the sun, like you will feel that like something's happening. Like these are solar cells and you have solar cells on you that aren't exposed to the sun. So this is why I'm like, if you look at my Instagram, I'm constantly at hot springs because you can be naked outside as you should. You know, all the gods and all of the old paintings are all like in these weird positions. Right. And like, when you look at the paintings, you're focused on the gods, you're focused on like how they're sitting, but you don't realize like, why are they sitting that way? It's because they're not in a couch. They're not on a chair. They're like with uneven rocks, like probably like outside in nature at a bath, you know, at a hot springs, like that's where everyone congregated around was the water. So like, if you go to hot springs, you'll notice there's just a bunch of people just lounging around on the rocks. And, uh, yeah, I love them. So why, why are you not, because Young and I will, you know, get a, get a few minutes in whenever we can, something that was inspired by you, but now I'm second guessing myself. When you guys are traveling, it'll be a lot of you guys. Like literally, if I were you guys traveling across the United States, like you are, I would be searching. You can go to f- uh, I forget the website, but there's a website like HotSprings.com. I don't know what it. Yeah, yeah. but I, like going. that would be where I. Are you guys staying in hotels or Airbnbs? What are you doing, people? So. You could just go buy a, some camping gear too, and some of them you should be able to camp at. But there's one. Have you been hot springs before outside of nature? Yeah, yeah. And what about you, Yoni? Yeah, I, I actually go camping quite a lot. So yeah, I should have brought my camping gear in the car. I and also, my... like next to a lot of them is like a river that's cold. So you like go and yeah. I actually spend more time in the cold river than I do in the hot springs most of the time. We do. We love cold, but we go to the ocean. We went to the ocean this morning. We did a beautiful morning routine and some sun gazing and some spinal articulation and a lot of grounding. And So are you guys doing the movement stuff a lot? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An amazing mover. <laughs> yeah. 
60, 60 seconds. A lot of this stuff. Yeah, and Ido himself says that movement is, uh, it's sort of, it's not fitness. So it's not, the movement culture movement isn't really competing with CrossFit, right? It's, it's, it's something else. And I mean, I actually think if that you really opened out up your, your perception within the CrossFit world, the movement culture stuff is just a more broad, right? Cause you're supposed to be, what's the definition of CrossFit? The, uh, constantly varied. No, 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 man. I can't believe well, I forgot about, this. You know, what Drew I saying was the GPP, you know, the 10 principles with a balance and agility and then. CrossFit kind of became a sport focused on. So I'm, I'm, yeah, the sport thing shifted things, right? Because now you have rules. Exactly. And now the only acceptable movement is something that's observable, repeatable, and measurable. And balancing a soccer ball on your head doesn't fit into that category. So, I mean, it's a sport and that's how sports are. So it's, yeah. yeah, it became a business. It became too much of a business, at least in, in our opinion. And, you know, the movement kind of, that's what they call movement culture. It's a culture. We're not necessarily going in there to be bigger, stronger, faster. It's part of the situation, but we're going to have, which we talked about earlier, we're going to play with other adults who just want to feel really good on their body and want to see what else we can do. And, you know, we're beginners every day. Yeah. You, you're never going to do, you know, every six weeks, they change the programming whatsoever because they go and just go to a jiu-jitsu gym and explore all kinds of stuff on their own, doing what you're doing, just doing their own research without getting too much input. Man, Greg Glassman, I don't know if you guys got into the the CrossFit Journal articles from like 2003, 4, 5, 6 like there's instructions on how to make a slack line in the, like, I actually think that's how I built one of my first slack lines. There's like instructions on how to make cargo nets. And, and so I think at the heart of it, that's, that's what like CrossFit's roots were, you know, but they live in the, they, they exist in this, this reality and they, they have to stay alive. And so they made business choices as, as everyone has to do. It can't be perfect in all. I mean, I guess everything's perfect, but they, uh, they're in their, their category now. And so we can look at moving culture and be like, it's a different category. And it is, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The cool thing is, is that people are interested in this, right? Is that someone like Johnny or Ito can just like literally have a, a hundred people in a room and be like, all right, and I'm making this up. I've never even seen them do this, but like if Ito came in the room and is like, okay, we're going to open up our mouths as wide as we can. And then we're going to like articulate our tongue. Everyone's going to do it. And they're open to it, you know? And they actually do that. Milking the tongue is 
one of the things that they've been doing in the last camp. Yeah. Mm. I mm. sideways up, just bringing it, stretching all the body. Yeah, I mean muscle. the tongue is is like pound for pound the the strongest muscle in the body, and it's like the most used. Also, we're using it all the time, and it's connecting a lot of energy meridians. So a lot of stuff happening in the mouth, like a whole bunch of stuff. And even like energetically, the mouth is, is the accumulation of like the feminine orifice, right? Like there, you can, it gets penetrated with food. And then we also have the phallus of the tongue. So it's like a really, it's a really powerful place. It's where our vibration comes out when we speak and words are worlds and that's why people cast spells uh with their mouth words create reality <laughs> right mm -hmm. earlier today yeah Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. So I have a website, Kriya of the Week. And that's, so I'm doing a few things, right? We didn't really talk about the content I'm producing, but I've got uh, like mostly psychological drills, like an Instagram and a YouTube channel for that called Practice of the Day. And so that's mostly, mostly psychological drills, but... A lot of there's meditative stuff in there and there's 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 a lot of good information there. So I'm producing one of those every single day and then I'm also producing a Kriya every single week. And the practice of the day things are free. The Kriyas I charge for it's eleven dollars and eleven cents a month. Super cheap. It's it's essentially like enough money so that people will be invested in doing and it's necessary. There's a necessary energetic exchange. Like you have to give something to receive it. If you're not ever giving, then it, then you're not really opening up the channel for reception. And that's actually how I can view money. That's how money makes sense to me is that energetically we, we, if we show up empty handed, then we're going to leave empty handed. Like if that's our vibration is to not give, then we're not going to get, you know? Yeah. So we can do that with green pieces of paper or we can do that with, with food and houses and cars and whatever sex also. So Kriya means to do in Sanskrit. And so my Kriya of the week website is a website that gives one Kriya every single week and they're short. They're short because I want people to do them every single day. So there's a lot of energetic stuff that Kriyas do. Within my Kriyas, the whole purpose of them is to make effect, to do something to make effect in the body to affect the body in certain ways and not just physically, right? Like I own gyms. I like stood on podiums. I did the whole thing. And like, it, I know how to make people do burpees really quick, 
It's a little uh, one-dimensional for me. So this is a accumulation of all of my knowledge where I look at the human being as a full-spectrum entity capable of a lot, like a thousand times more things than just mechanically moving a piece of steel bar with some plates on the end of it. Like there's a lot of things we're capable of. And if the body is exercise or practice in a particular manner can make our technology more powerful. So some of the things we're doing is enhancing mobility. We're also working on the nervous system. So this week we're actually, the Kriya is a lot about the thyroid. And so there's a lot of tension and pressure and movement placed on the thyroid and even just the vocal and throat center. So I was talking about this being a very important part of the body and producing vibration. If this channel is closed up or we have incorrect alignment or if we're never really activating it or there's energy blockages in there or there's just some other thing happening in the neck area, then then your vibration, your your ability to make words and speak clearly and authentically, it's going to be diminished. So you can do this week's Kriya to enhance and activate this part of the body. Next week, which I just filmed this morning, is about the frontal lobe. So this week and last week were really physical. We used the physical movements to activate certain parts of the body. The week before was... Uh, it was the navel center. And the week before that, I forget it was what, what, it, what it was. Next week's the frontal lobe. So, oh, the week before that was the pineal gland. And that was holding postures, uh, but not so movement oriented. So next week's frontal lobe, we actually do a lot of face stuff because our face and like this has a lot to do with our brain. So we actually use our face to, hey, you guys, close your eyes and move your forehead up and down and around and sideways without really moving your neck or your head or anything else. Move like everything from your eye, like including your eyebrows all around in every single direction you can go. Like even sideways. Can you move your forehead sideways? Just try and go as fast as you can. So you can... You should keep on going. You you should be able to start to feel like sort of like slight lightning bolts or slight connections going straight into your brain, like all throughout your brain. All right, relax. So this cool. is, right? You guys could feel that, right? Yeah, 100%. So we're doing that. So I actually just posted on my Instagram story on Raw of Earth that uh, I told everyone to do that for nine minutes. But in next week's Kriya, we're doing it for five because the Kriyas are short. So I looked at Ramwad. Ramwad's kind of like, it's it's yin yoga turned into a 15 to 20 minute session. So, yeah. It's essentially, if you could go to a yin yoga class and you'd be holding those postures for like five, six minutes instead of Two like minutes. one to three minutes, which is Ramwad. So 
I know a lot of people are doing Rambod because it's easier to get it on your screen at your house and do something for 15 minutes every single day than it is to try and go to a 90 minute long yoga class. You have to like do the whole thing of going in, going in the locker room, blah, 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 blah. So there's all these techniques and Kundalini, like the whole Kundalini knowledge base and the whole yogic thing. And I'm, and I'm constantly learning all these different mechanisms to make make change and, and harness our abilities. And that's going, it's getting funneled into Kriya of the week. And it's only one per week because these energetic effects, they start to wear off after 24 hours. And so we really need to solidify doing them. It's like when you start exercising. <sighs> And I think a lot of CrossFit gyms would disagree with this, but if you have never done a push-up before, it would like benefit you to do a push-up, like to learn how to do push-ups before, like just like throwing in like all different types of push-ups all the time, like alternating the different types of push-ups. Like you're gonna learn how to do a push-up on day one, and then you're gonna learn how to do. Uh, I don't know, a burpee on day two and then a ring dip, which is another version of a push-up on day three. Like, so it's just like taking people and making them repeat something will solidify, like I said, the thyroid activation or the frontal lobe attunement or whatever else we're doing. Sometimes it's a lot of what looks like mobility, but really what it's doing is clearing energy blockages in tight muscles. Yeah. So, so what are you talking about? The repetition uh, is building myelin, right? Uh, from from a physical from a, from a physical standpoint, yes. And making connect, making stronger connections in yeah. mind and body, or just mind, or just body. Um, yeah. Repeat, like, and this is how kriyas. There's something called Kriya Yoga. Kundalini uses kriyas. Lots of yoga uses kriyas, and people people devalue what's happening in these like if you go to a kundalini class most of the stuff you are learning somebody had to chase down some some master in the east through like the mountains and like knock on the door and the master would be like what do you want oh master i'm here here's a gift i carried it it's like my family's wealth I want, I want like a magical secret. I want to know how to fix the thyroid of my daughter who is sick. Okay, go over there and stand next to that tree to like come back. And like the person stands there for like 10 days. Then the master comes and says, okay, do this thing. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And then they skirt off. And then 1,000 years later, it's just... You just do it in a yoga class like it's nothing, right? So we're not really valuing the potency of a lot of these techniques. And so Kriyas generally are prescribed, like like tell her or tell whatever to do this thing for 40 days in a row before the sun rises, you know? Sadhana. Right. So like... You do sadhanas for 40 days for a hundred, like you do them for 11 days, 40 days, a thousand days. 
And so me just saying, do it for seven days is, is literally just another, another like reducing the quality, the quantity so that it's more digestible for people to do. It seems like too much. It seems like, why do I need to repeat this thing every seven days? But really it's the opposite. It's actually, it's actually like watered down a lot. So what's most valuable is if you do them, right? (laughs) So that's what's most valuable. And I think that if you, I think that I designed the website to make it most appealing for everyone to do. Like, I think you can handle doing something every seven. And actually you're going to start noticing the changes. You will start noticing the changes over even just a long period of time. So I actually like, I, I actually, uh, to answer your question, I don't know the answer. I think that when it comes to any practice, we need a variety of how we practice. So I think that doing like a 20 minute thing. So my Kriyas are like 20 to 35 minutes long. I try and keep them closer to 20, but sometimes I just want to put in too much stuff that they go longer. And you can always, most of them, just double the times to get a longer session. But I like the variety of every week, personally. And I also think that you want to switch up your the way you practice. And the alternative, like sort of what would add on to that, would be that if you also went to like, a weekend long retreat or a week long immersion, you know, where you get really into either your, your mentality, your self-awareness, you know, you can go on a silent retreat or you can go on a transcendental meditation thing or like doing something daily mixed in with like once or twice a year or once every year, once every three years, you go do like some immersive thing. That's really the best practice is to have a daily practice and every once in a while get like something deeper. You don't want to just do one or the other. Does that mean you're going to host retreats or you're hosting retreats? I've, I've hosted retreats before I've got, I, I also was doing these events where I, I got a bunch of different coaches from different modalities coming in and coaching. Like I would have a voice teacher for 20 minutes. Basic. Yeah. I don't know to answer your question. I don't possibly. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love having people to teach. Like I love teaching. That's like what I do. That's what brings me purpose. Yeah. And the reason why I teach is because I like to learn. Really, teaching is just a version of learning. You get you get basically another body to learn through. Like I've already learned a lot through this body, so I'm going to see how I can learn this information through another body. And so, like you asked me a question earlier about like what does a portal mean? That's something that would come up in while teaching. And so it seemed like I was telling you what a portal was, but really I was discovering it myself. Sure. 
uh, cause I'd never said those things before. I actually had to think about what I meant by that. And that's, that's how awesome. teaching's exciting. That's awesome. I want to, the last question I want to ask before we wrap it up, current name, what do you go by? Ra, Ravi. <laughs> I mean, and how, what's the evolution of your name? Yeah. So I was born Ronald and then I went by Ronnie my whole life and, uh, towards the end of my gym, I started my gym days. I started feeling like, uh, yeah, I'm not really resonating with Ronnie anymore, which I never thought would happen when I was like 30. I was like, man, I'm still being called Ronnie like a boy, like, like Bobby or Willie, you know? And I'm just like, Ronnie, am I ever going to drop the E like the Ronnie? Like, cause my dad is Ron, you know? And, and so I just wasn't really resonating with Ronnie anymore. So I went by Ronald for like a little bit and that really didn't feel right. <laughs> That's my birth name. It really didn't feel right. So then I was, so I knew about, uh, asking to be assigned a spiritual name and i knew that like the actual agreement you make with uh probably all all spiritual name givers but definitely like the route i went was like if you receive the spiritual name you're gonna give up your birth name you're like no longer that person anymore and i'm obviously words and vibrations mean something so if i'm If I'm crossing over to a, be called something else, it really means that I'm shifting my entire reality because now the vibrations coming to me are not Ronnie anymore, which means something like means king or something like that. Or wise one is actually what it means that like I'm going to be called something else. It's going to be meaning something else. So I was assigned the name Ravi Chander. And Ravi means essence of the sun and Chander means moon. And so I was already going by like raw on Instagram. Like I had raw, like in the description, I am raw. Actually I had in the description forever. So it was interesting that my spiritual name was Ravi birth name, Ronnie. The name I went by was raw or birth name was Ronald and Ronnie So like the raw is always there, right? And so I'm introducing myself as Ravi Chander and it's just like too many people were just getting like, I was just getting too many questions about like, am I Indian? Am I this? Am I that? And so I'm, I just was like, all right, I'm just going to shorten this whole thing. <laughs> like all, this raw is a version of all my names anyways. Right. And it's the sun. Like essentially I'm, I'm a manifestation of the sun on this like earthly plane, you know? And that's why my Instagram handle is raw of earth because that's how I view myself as I'm, I am starlight experiencing a physical life on earth. Sweet. Yeah. I field a lot of questions online and I, 
and I answer a lot of them. So people can send me messages. My Instagram handle is raw. So R A underscore of underscore earth. And then I've got another Instagram practice of the day. And then I've got another Instagram Kriya of the week. And then I've got Kriya of the week.com and raw of earth.com. Awesome stuff. Ra. Thank you so, so much for hosting us at your home and sharing all this knowledge. And we're super grateful. And we've been quoting you for the past year or so. Yes, we do. Yeah, guys, it was fun. Thanks for coming out. For sure. We'll do it again. Alrighty. Boom.